welcome to the journal.ie's The Explainer, where every week we take a deep dive into a different news story. I'm Sinead O'Carroll, and this week, what is Fortnite and how can people make money from it? I'll stay in school, vows boy who made a million by playing Fortnite. That's a headline from a British paper this week. Yep, there are ones that aren't about the backstop and the Taoiseach out there. My knowledge of Fortnite until now extended to being aware of its existence, knowing it was insanely popular and how some parents were freaked by how much their kids love it. And not being a gamer myself, I was agog at this week's news from New York of people winning millions of dollars for playing the game in front of what was a massive crowd. Since then, I've already had some of my own assumptions shattered. For example, there's not an ounce of blood shed in the Fortnite world. So of course, I have a lot more questions, which will be answered expertly by tech journalist Quinton O'Reilly and the journal's own Orla Dwyer. Welcome back all. Quinton, I'm welcoming you back uh, thank as you a for former alumni, alumnus of uh, the journal.ie. Nice to be let back in. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Orla, I'm going to start with you because there's a lot of language in this world which kind of has some of us sitting like we're in German class trying to figure out dirty and das in second year. Um, you're a cooler and younger person than I, so you know this language. First of all, tell us what Fortnite is. Okay, well, I'm sure most people would have heard of Fortnite at this point. It's been around since about 2017. That was when it kind of started and kicked off after the free version. So it's actually the biggest free-to-play online game at the moment in the world. So it's a shooter game where 100 players are dropped onto an island and they have to find weapons, build bases and try and eliminate other players to be the last person standing. And it actually has 250 million players worldwide, would you believe? There's a lot of people. So why was it in the news specifically this week? Yes, as you mentioned earlier, the Fortnite World Cup, it was the first ever Fortnite World Cup, took place in New York last weekend and it involved people from around the world competing for different titles. And this is actually part of the wider world of esports, which is where people meet up in person to play online games in a large competition. So this was attended by thousands of people and it was actually watched by up to 9 million people on YouTube. Um, so we'll be talking a bit today about Epic Games. Can you explain who they are or what they do? Uh, Epic Games is the company that owns Fortnite. So last year they saw $3 billion in profit. So, you know, they can afford to give out a $3 million prize mm. fund in uh, an online game. And the company itself is worth more than $15 billion. So they're hugely successful. We'll also be talking about something called Twitch. Give me the rundown on what Twitch is. Yeah, Twitch is another, it's a hugely popular online platform that allows people to stream themselves playing video games to an audience. And it has a chat feature so viewers can send messages to the people streaming on Twitch. You know, they get hundreds of thousands of views every day. And the site itself has more than 15 million users who watch streamers on it every day. Quentin, I think that equips a lot of our listeners who aren't gamers who or weren't that familiar with Fortnite before now. Orla has explained how popular it is, but why is it so popular? Um, there's quite a uh, number of reasons for it. Like uh, a little bit of it is the right place at the right time. Uh, the Battle Royale format, which Orla explained, 100 people dropped on an island, all fight against each other until one survives, is very chaotic. It's a lot of fun. Like, uh, And there's also an element of tenseness to it as well, because you don't know who you're going to run into. You don't know what you're going to pick up. And in some cases, you can plan where you're going to drop, but you have no idea how the game is going going to turn out like there could be some cases where you might get eliminated straight away there might be other times where you somehow survive to the end and then other bizarre things can can happen in between that um you mentioned earlier about not a single drop of blood is is uh, dropped in the in the game and that's uh, probably another part of the appeal which makes it more digestible for parents uh, uh if their kids are playing the game so when you're eliminated you just fall down and you're beamed out of the game uh and that kind of team goes 
shows throughout the, throughout the entire game. The aesthetics are very, like, bright, colourful, like, it has a very goofy sense of humour. Like, if you look at the, say, the costumes you can uh, buy, which are called skins, or, like, the dance moves. I don't know if any of you remember the, the floss dance that became, like, popular for, like, yeah. a month or so last year. That's, uh, that came through Fortnite. Did it? Yeah, yeah. I never Children knew are still that. doing the floss. Yeah. It's hugely popular. Uh, I feel oh, like it's time has passed, but that could be just me and, and with internet culture as a whole. But um, but yeah, it has this really goofy sense of humor as well through like the gadgets and like uh, weapons it has. Like there was one point there was like, you know, kind of trampoline boards you could set up or and then there was like a shopping trolley vehicle you could drive around. And uh, there's all these little things that they add to the game. Uh, and so if, time. if I decide to just to go to, I presume this is played on the PlayStation, Xbox and things like that. Yes. So if I decide to get one and set up and start playing, who am I playing against? You're pretty much playing against anyone who happens to be logging in at that time. Normally it would be people within your general region. So like Ireland, UK, Europe, uh, for example. Um, But really, yeah, like they normally set up uh, server rooms that are designed to, for like that particular particular region, whether it's Europe, the US, uh, South America, so on, just make it a lot faster and more responsive for for the players uh so if an action happens they're not they don't end up like with a second or two of lag for example which can basically imagine like uh, a film just stopping for a second or two and then skipping uh, that can be rather frustrating with a game that requires like finesse and like quick thinking and uh and a little bit of strategy at the end because another popular element of it is the structures you can build so like a norm when the game started out they people are just building structures to like get up the hills really quickly so they can get high ground whereas now at the end of the game people like build like these massive high rise uh, makeshift uh, structures uh, to try to protect themselves trick players and also get high ground uh, depending on what kind of gadgets or strategies they have so can you complete Fortnite? Not, well, complete is only in the sense of like you go, you you win basically, and but you do it all over again. So it's kind of like it's basically like any sport you can think of, football, so, uh, football, hurling, so on. Like you can win a game, but it, as we all know, the you season don't stay goes the best. on and on. Yeah. But what's a- what's good with that though is that the map shrinks as well in the battle mm. royale game, which is why I think it works really well and why people are so into it because it gets smaller and smaller. So players are forced to stay within a certain confinement of each other. So you're kind of forced to confront other players. So the game can't continue on for ages and ages, which is probably good for people who just want, you know, a quick win. That kind of sounds like the Hunger Games to me, but just hold a second there. Battle Royale, what what's that? <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, Battle Royale is the free-to-play version of Fortnite. It was the second version that came out in 2017. They had um, the first one was Save the World. Yeah. Uh, that was the first one they came out with that wasn't free. And then they came out with Battle Royale a few months later that was free and that a lot more people got into because, you know, after a while they could play it on their phones, they could play it on tablets, they could play it on the Xbox. So it really opened up a whole new world for people who may not have had consoles before then. Yeah, speaking about a whole new world, this esports concept, obviously that's not very new, but if Fortnite's only been out since 2017, and we've already had a World Cup with huge attendances and huge money. How did that come about? Um, well, I guess it's a combination of different things. For example, we mentioned Twitch streaming and YouTube. Like, uh, over, since the start of, like, well, 2010, 2011 onwards, like, YouTube streamers, uh, uh, gamers have become very popular where they basically 
play games, they normally have a camera pointed to them with uh, footage of the game playing in real time. A lot of the people who play uh, in these kind of World Cup games like are normally pretty popular streamers to begin with. Like for the World Cup, for example, they had a celebrity tournament, uh, quote unquote, which, uh, which was basically just famous streamers playing against each other one of the days. So people, like especially younger generations, have gotten used to watching people play play games. And there is definitely a, like an appeal to it. Like it can feel a bit odd thinking about like why would somebody watch somebody play a video game? But it's the same kind of the same reason why we watch, say, you know, like the Premier League or Champions League. Instead or, of going or, out ourselves and playing. Yeah, yeah. Because like in a way, like we're seeing people who are at the top of their game. Like we have a frame of reference for say soccer, for example, a frame of reference of how to play it, the rules and so on. So when we see somebody like Lionel Messi or Cristiano Ronaldo do some amazing uh, piece of skill or piece of play, we can appreciate that because we already have that that frame of reference. And it's the same way with Fortnite and other other similar like uh, multiplayer games uh, as well. When we see people like pull off like an amazing escape or manage to eliminate three people in a row or, you know, like or, or like build this crazy structure that nobody would have thought of. Those are like really magical moments that like you're just witnessing in real time. And you know yourself, like I like I've played Fortnite and I'm, you know, spoiler alert, I'm terrible at it. Uh, <laughs> But your face is lighting up talking about it. Yeah, so I'm yeah. understanding a lot from, I wish our listeners could see your face talking about those miracle escapes. Yeah, and and it's definitely like, there's definitely the appeal to it. The other big appeal to, say, knowing the kind of players is, it's almost like you're watching a friend play as well, because like streaming is normally like a solitary pursuit. Some people might do it with, uh, might do it with a second friend and just chat in the background, but it's almost like you're being invited into their space and there's kind of a personal connection to it. And also, and especially in the case of Twitch, which people can stream for hours on end. Like you, you if you've rehearsed things to, to say, you're going to run out of that very quickly and just go stream of consciousness uh, while while talking and, and playing the game. And some fun and funny moments can emerge from that. Some interesting moments, some heartfelt as well. And it just deepens that connection uh, between people. How does one get good at Fortnite then? Like if you've played it, you're you know into your tech and you say you're terrible. How how do you get good at it? Uh, it's the it's a classic one of how do you get to Carnegie Hall practice <laughs> um, it's basically people just put in a lot of time playing it with them uh, by themselves or with friends as well like and it's really just putting the hours in because the more you play something the more you begin to notice say patterns or come up with ideas for approaching a certain scenario or or just get better reflexes because you know you've you've developed a muscle memory by using a controller or a keypad and mouse, depending on what your, what your setup is. And therefore you'll be able to be better at responding to, to new or unforeseen moments in the game, which in a, a case with Fortnite, where you're playing against 99 other people can get very chaotic and messy uh, at, at times. Is that the dark side of the game then? So I, I noticed Ross Tucker, who's a sports scientist, and there's so many parallels between sport and esports. obviously. He was looking at it, at that um, article that I mentioned earlier and noted that some people are homeschooled to optimise their practice hours because they find eight hours a day to practice. He says mm. that's nuts, that no teen should be specialising in anything, video game or otherwise. And later on, he mentions... What what you did there, Carnegie Hall, he mentioned pianists um, and sports people and parents will think it might pay off because they eventually win a ton of money. But let's think about the people who 
aren't winning but yeah. using that much time so is it something that parents should be worried about is is it problematic that people are playing for that long i i think it's like any hobby like you just mentioned there or any kind of skill like whether it's you know a sport or classical music like there just needs to be kind of boundaries set for 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 kids because i think doing eight hours in the hope of like a big payoff like the world cup is very very you know like wishful thinking in a way like there was um out of that entire competition the Fortnite World Cup, there were 40 million people uh, competed in the qualifiers, like from all around the world to get a chance. And there were only a hundred made it in. So it is like the competition is very tight for like for that or any anything else. So I would say if they have an interest and they're getting like, uh, like earnings from it, like that's, that's great, but don't put all your eggs in one one basket <laughs> because like it can for every one person every person that becomes a massive success there's probably like hundreds of people who are thousands or even in this case millions of people who who can't achieve the the that even a fraction of that success i think what's important with that though as well is that these competitions aren't the main ways that a lot of gamers make their money mm. a lot of them make it through twitch and through brand you know brand deals and sponsorships and things like that so in a way they're seen as influencers in a lot of senses, because, you know, we talk about YouTube influencers all the time who have brand deals and product placements, but these gamers have them too on Twitch. So they could be professional players, but not necessarily professional esports players. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's some, there are some YouTube personalities who are terrible at games, but, uh, and I, I don't know if you've uh, ever tried playing a video game while having a conversation. It's very, very difficult. That's why uh, I was never good at them. I was, I was <laughs> absolutely terrible because I talked too much. But they're popular because they're, they're a personality. Going back to what I was saying about like you're almost being let, you know, you're meeting with a friend and they're, you're being let in and you see their, their world and degree. So, like, as Orla was mentioning, like there's different ways people can make money through that, through, ad revenue on youtube uh, for example like uh, twitch has uh, donations that people can give for from uh, fans and also paid subscriptions as well which they can pay like four or five dollars um i've my currency converter uh, in my head is not working so i don't know what that is in euro and then sponsorship and and brand deals so there are ways to to earn money if you even if you're not technically uh brilliant at video games but it's still like a very uh rare thing to achieve again for every youtube personality with 20 million subscribers there's probably like uh thousands or hundreds of thousands or millions of people with just like a hundred subscribers who are trying to make uh something work but just can't because there are just so many things working against them it's a packed space as well to to keep the comparison with more traditional sports Obviously, we're segregated in most sports, men and women, by the odd exception. I presume with video games, everyone is bunked into the same. There's not a gendered category. No, yeah, it's uh, there's no gendered category. Although, quite interestingly, in the Fortnite World Cup, all of the hundred competitors were all uh, male, basically. So there weren't any any female competitors, which is is a pity um, because there are a lot of like great female players out there. Whatever the reasons are, it's not entirely clear. It's very easy to hypothesize, but there is uh, extra barriers, for example, for for women playing games because they can be more susceptible to abuse online and uh, threats and so on so like even if they're like very small threats that happen like 
you know, once a day or like once a week or something, a lot of them can add up to the point where a female gamer might be looking at, you know, Fortnite and saying, is it worth playing this? Because just for the amount of like mental stress that's going to come from that. So it, it that could be a potential reason. Again, it's hard to say because I, I we don't know what the qualifying uh, rounds were like and stuff like that. But it's definitely a major concern, like just in the wider gaming circles, not just and on wider online space as a as a whole. Orla, another aspect of this, that the game is free. So how are Epic Games making any money out of Fortnite now, two years on? Oh, they're actually, they're making quite a lot of money from Fortnite. <laughs> <laughs> um, the main way is through items bought in the game. Uh, so they actually make quite a lot of money uh, through the game. So the main way is through different items bought through V-Bucks, which is an in-game currency that you buy with real money. So you can buy about 1,000 V-Bucks for 9.99 euro. So V-Bucks is... The Fortnite world's currency. Yeah, exactly. And then through this currency, then you can buy things like dances, different costumes, as you said, different skins. So you can buy a dance for about 200 V-Bucks. Which Why is would you euro. need a dance or a skin in they're Fortnite? They're fun. You know, they're and entertainment. There's, like- a, there's a sense of identity to it as well, because it just, again, kind of real world analogy. If you're in school and you had like uh, Nike runners, you know, like you'd probably be seen as like, oh, wow, it's the same with Fortnite. If you have a unique costume or skin uh, that nobody else has that gives you a unique identifier so like uh, whereas you have like two or three base skins as in like base kind of like character designs that are given to you at the start of the game so you can rely on them but like uh, most people like once they start getting into it more and become more invested into it I think that's the huge thing because it can once once you enjoy something you start investing more and more time and in some cases money for example through V-Bucks which Orla Orla mentioned one of the things about the the kind of microtransactions that's worth mentioning is they have different tiers for you know the amount of V-Bucks you can you can buy so I think it's like 50 or something like that or 500 something for like 3 euro and then the 1000 is for like 8 or 9 euro it uses and then it's like 2000 is like 20 euro or something stuff like that so do we have an average spend how much do people end up spending do we know well there was one survey last year and it showed that out of 1000 Fortnite players who were asked 69% of them had spent money on in-game purchases that year and of those the average spend was around 76 euro Ooh, yeah, that is a moneymaker then. <laughs> yeah, because they one of the strategies they use is a thing called, well, all kind of mobile and any games with microtransactions is a thing called anchoring, which is you take the first the first piece of information you see that's basically informs the, the rest of the information you see. So you see something like uh, 50, you know, 100 V-Bucks for like 3 euro and you're like, that's not good value at all. And then you go to see the 1,000 V-Bucks for, was it 8 euro? 9.99. And you think, oh, well, that's much better but if, if these are kids playing it, obviously they have to go and ask parents for this money. Is that not another concern that parents have about how much they're racking up playing this definitely, virtual game? Yeah, and it's definitely a conversation that uh, parents should have with their with their children based on like what they're not just their playing habits, but also getting to invest it in like getting the latest skin or the latest dance move or the latest uh, costume. As and well. do you have to spend money to win, or can you win a game without spending any money? Uh, you can win a game without spending any money. Like the the t- good one of the reasons why Fortnite is so popular is all the transactions and purchases you can do are, are purely cosmetic. It does not inform or uh, influence the core game in any way, shape, or form. This is wild. I'm enjoying this conversation so much. It's just such its own little world that they've built. Yeah, pretty much. And genius. Yeah, and it's pretty <laughs> much. Uh, that's actually a really good uh, way of describing Fortnite because it is pretty much 
a platform, not just a, just a video game, because Fortnite have seasons. Well, a lot of online games have seasons too, where they basically add new content and make tweaks and changes to keep interest up. But uh, Fortnite have gone like a bit of an extra mile by having unique events uh, happen at the end of every season. So like one season at the end of it, they ended up having an in-game concert with an electronic artist called Marshmallow. And uh, then the last season, which was season nine, uh, season 10 only just came out there on the 1st of August. Um, so um, they had like a massive battle between, uh, <laughs> this is, sounds like I'm talking in a fever dream, but uh, <laughs> a, a giant mecha versus like this Godzilla type uh, monster fighting each other. And these are just, these aren't like, they're not fighting in game. They're just like flying around in jetpacks watching this uh, happen. So Fortnite, they, going back to the sense of humor that I mentioned, they have these little easter eggs and little hints here and there to hint at what exactly is going to happen at the end of each season and it normally builds up to to a moment like that and they those are shareable moments not just you know among yourself and your friends but also on social media sites or on reddit where people can just take clips of these moments or a moment in the game and just share them and people they are either funny or people get ideas or they see something amazing happen like trick shot wise or 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 uh, to an equivalent and it just builds up this uh, this interest in the game where it's like, oh, I need to get in on this. Everyone seems like they're having fun and I could have moments like this. Yeah. So it really is a community. You know, it's a whole group of people who just share the same interest like any other, any other sport or any other interest or anything like that, you know. Just to recap, if I did want to play a game today, what exactly would I be doing? I would set up, I'd be in a skin, I'd press play, what happens? Uh, th- then when the server loads up, all all the hundred players are in a bus that's actually an airplane flying over the island. Again, it sounds like I'm talking to a fever dream I had like a few days ago. You choose when to jump out uh, any point and you fly down to the island. Uh, once you land, you have to search for materials and, and weapons, and then you will more than likely run into players at some point. As Orla mentioned, the play space gets smaller and smaller. There's like a force field that requires you to stay within a perimeter. So you can't just hide in the corner of an island and wait for 98 people to be eliminated and then pop out and, and win the game that way. You have to be active in, in some form. And another reason why it's so popular... And by active, you mean shooting? Yeah, active shooting, building, you know, eventually you will have to shoot, yeah, to, to win. Uh, probably should, uh, should, can't sugarcoat that, unfortunately. But as, you know, it's non-gore, so like it's kind of like cartoony appeal uh, to it as, as well. So I'll come across the other 99 players, I try and shoot them, and then if they come across me, I try and evade them, climb a building, build a a building, climb that building, and it goes on and on. Yeah, it goes on and on until the space is just like the two of you standing beside each other saying, well, we're going to have to shoot each other. So one of us has to win it. So it keeps going like that. And is there an addictive quality to it? Is again, going back to some of the darker sides of it, like are there people who are playing not because they want to get good or because they are genuinely addicted to it? Oh yeah, absolutely. Like um, it's not like gaming addiction isn't officially recognized as, as a disorder. So I want to be very careful about what I'm, uh, what I'm going to say next, but it is definitely like a, a compulsive medium because you're, you're actively engaged in it and you can shape it as well. Like games are, Uh, an amazing medium where you can tell so many different types of stories and have so many different approaches to how you interact uh, with something. And uh, in the case of Fortnite, where it's like they're very quick 
easy games to play. Like a game could last as long as like 30 seconds if you're eliminated straight away to like 10 minutes, you know, max. So like there is a very easy dip in and out. So once you kind of get into, if you get eliminated early on, you'll be like, I'm, I'm going to have to try again. I mean, I'm not, there's no way I'm going to leave it like this. And you keep becoming more, you play it more and more and become more invested in this once you start get, becoming good at it. Because when you're good at uh, something, you want to do more of it to show how good you are in a way. And, you know, sometimes people can, um, you know, like if they miss out in the first spot, they'll just have to have one more go. And it's that's what a lot of these free-to-play games have in, in a way, like that kind of like feedback loop where it's like, you're so close, but if you play one more game, you can get even closer or you can finally win. And when people win, they want to do it again. And yeah, so it is to a long-winded answer to your, <laughs> to your question. It is very easy to end up losing lots of hours to, to a game and end up playing eight or 10 hours in a, in a day if you're not, if you're not paying attention to, to the time. And to touch on one other negative aspect, because this has been brought up in the doll in Ireland, Orla, is the idea of gambling within within the world. Did we get any closure to that? Yeah, there is actually, there's no more gambling really left in the Fortnite world. They actually got rid of it earlier this year. So they had loot boxes, which are these virtual mystery boxes that a lot of games have and you buy them, but you don't know what's in them before you get them. So it is, in a sense, gambling. But uh, these were only in one Fortnite game, not the Battle Royale one, which is the most popular one. It was just the first one. And these were removed then in January. The company was actually sued over these earlier this year by parents um, in California who argued that these boxes were unfair and deceptive to customers. But as I said, they've since been removed. So in the Battle Royale game, the loot boxes are the x-ray boxes and you can see what's in them before you buy them. So it has been removed. And as you said, it was brought up in the doll by uh, Minister David Stanton. He said um, that the Department of Justice was actually supporting this voluntary declaration by the Gaming Regulators European Forum. And this kind of reflected concern among a lot of different national authorities that video games should be licensed if they um, have gambling opportunities. So fascinating. Thanks so much for coming in and explaining it all to us. Uh, One last thing. Have either of you ever won a game of Fortnite? I I came tenth. Okay, that's it, not winning, I, but it's but good. It, that was because <laughs> I um. So um, I ended up strategizing by jumping into a rural area and I got lost. <laughs> so uh, by the time I found the player, I was like, yeah, you're tent. So it was really depressing seeing my stats, where it was like, at the, they show your stats at the end of it. It's like, you covered X amount of co- uh, uh, kilometers, uh, eliminated, zero, done, zero, weapons picked up, zero. I'm just all zero, zero, zero. It's like, okay, game, I know what you're trying to tell me. Okay, you don't need to say it. Yeah, I did not quite rise to those ranks. Uh, much like the Irish uh, boy who took part, I came about 58th, maybe 60th. That was kind of the best I've ever done. I tried my best. Okay. I tried my best. I might go and have a crack at it. Thanks so much for coming into us, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Explainer. This episode was brought to you by executive producer Christine Bohan, producer Aoife Barry, assistant producer Nikki Ryan and editor Andy Roberts. I'm Sinead O'Carroll and we'll be back next week with a brand new topic. In the meantime, check out some of our other episodes. Last time, we examined the impact of a recent High Court ruling about citizenship applications. There's also an episode on why people were so mad about the price of Lizzo tickets. We also explain who Lizzo is, for those of you who don't know. In the back catalogue, there is also an episode on what Ireland should do with people returning from ISIS in the wake of the Lisa Smith case, and another on insurance costs to figure out why events like Oktoberfest are being cancelled. If you're enjoying these episodes, please leave us a review and rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you and catch you next time.